Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Palm Harvest Church. I'm Pastor Mike. Say hello, Pastor Mike. So our kids are making their way out, and if you're in high school, if you want to join Melissa, um, they always have a great thing called Thrive. It meets in the office. Probably way more interesting than what I have to say, so you're welcome to go if you like as well. Well, we are in a new series uh, for this year called Grow, because the Bible tells us that God wants you and he wants me to grow up. So turn to your neighbor and say, grow up. God wants us... To grow up spiritually. So let's take a little recap of where we've been so far in our conversation. We've been studying a book in the Bible called 1 Timothy. And 1 Timothy, as you will remember, was a letter that was written by a guy by the name of Paul, who was one of the early church leaders. And he was writing it to a young pastor by the name of Timothy to try to give him some coaching, some instruction on how to kind of lead this early church that he was overseeing. And Paul in his letter to Timothy basically is emphasizing this theme that God calls us as followers of Jesus to grow up. And so he's given Timothy some advice for how to help his church kind of grow up spiritually in their relationship with Jesus. So in the verses that we're going to look at today, which is found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, we're going we're gonna to look at some of the expectations that God has for church leaders. One of the first things we're going to see here is that God says, if you aspire to be a church leader, a leader in the church, then that's a good thing. And so here's the big idea that we're going to talk about. If you're taking notes, if you want to write this down, write down this. God has high expectations for his leaders. God has high expectations for his leaders. So join me for prayer and then we'll we'll jump right in. Our Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus Christ and Holy Spirit, we are gathering in this place today because we want to grow up. We want to be better moms, dads, husbands, wives. We want to be better workers, bosses, Lord, fill in the blank. We want to grow up. So we pray today as we dig into just simple verses for outlining what you look for in your church leaders, which really is inside these walls and outside. God, we pray that you would teach us and that you would poke us, poke us, Lord, right where we need to be poked so that we might know what to work on this coming week. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so if you have a Bible with you, whether it's in paper or digital form, turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter, actually, good, thanks, 1 Timothy. Go to 1 Timothy chapter 3 and uh, follow along as I read beginning at verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 is what we read. This is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honorable position. So a church leader must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. Now let's stop there for a second. You'll remember as we talked about from last week, in the context of this time period, women were largely uneducated. 
And so becoming, having order in a church was a big deal. We talked about how when you go to a movie theater, last Sunday we said, you know, one of the first things they tell you is they tell you to silence your, your cell phone because a cell phone going off during a movie theater is disruptive or people texting or checking their, you know, social media pieces, it's disrupting. And so what was happening in the church is as these ladies who were largely uneducated because of the culture of their times, they would lean over and they would whisper in their husband's ear and they would ask for clarifications and it was causing some disruption. And so... Paul writes Timothy, tell women to be silent. And so then when, they, when you go home or when you go out for eat after the message, much like many of us do, you kind of talk about what, what, what went on in the conversation. That's the context. And so he's saying here, oh, uh, so it's understandable why he says a man should be uh, the leader. But ladies, I want you to know, and really what I want to submit to you today, my conviction is that there's a place for women in leadership in ch- the church today. And so, ladies, I say that to you so that as we unpack these verses, who Paul is really writing to a male audience here, and to the, 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 the principles of these leadership concepts are transferable. So don't tune out on me, okay? So here we go. Chapter 2, verse 2 again. So a church leader must be a man whose life is above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. So, ladies, that applies to you as well. He must enjoy having guests in his home and he must be able to teach. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle, not quarrelsome, and not love money. He must manage his own family well, have children who respect and obey him. For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? A church leader must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's traps. Okay, so church, write these three things down in your program notes. There are three things I think that the Bible teaches about Christian leadership overarching. And the first thing is this, to be a leader in the church is a desirable kingdom assignment. Paul says you should aspire to be a church leader. And so to be a leader in the church is a desirable kingdom assignment. Number two, to be a leader in the church requires spiritual maturation. To be a leader in the church requires spiritual maturation. Now think about this. Think about the context of your life. I would suspect that you are likely not the same person you are today that you were a year ago. Is that I mean, think about all the events that have taken place this last year. Some of you may have changed jobs. Some of you, like I think about my dad, he's lost a spouse of 60 years. That has an impact. That leaves a mark. Some of you have traveled to places you've never been to. Some of you have developed new relationships with others. Some of you have have said goodbye to relationships. Life changes us. And the same is true with our spiritual maturity. The Bible says that, you know, just because I'm not, maybe I was, I'm, I'm, hopefully you're more spiritually mature today than you were a year ago or two years ago or even five years ago. But what you need to realize is that spiritual maturity is a process. It's this continual, ongoing process. And to be a leader in the church, that's the expectation. It requires this, this con- continual frame of growth. You're with me? Thirdly, the thing I want you to see here is to be a leader in the church. It invites transferable character. It invites transferable character. So in other words, if you aspire to be a leader in the church, one of the things you need to understand, and hopefully this is a a passion for all of us, is there is this mentoring component to being a leader. In fact, I would suggest that the older you get, you should always have this mentoring component. Is how do I bring people along? 
How do I help them grow? One of the things I talk about all the time around is never do ministry alone. If you're going to go do something, take somebody with you. Now, it's harder. It slows the process down. You know, David, who's, who's playing the drums this morning, has just joined our staff, and, we're, and it's making me work harder. It's harder having more staff, because now I have to go home and I think, how are we going to maximize the giftedness that God has given to us as a, as a church leadership? And it's more work. But really, that's, what, that's one of the responsibilities that God expects from his church leaders. And so when you come here in this, in, into this auditorium, don't just think that you're here to sit and soak, although if you need it, you have that permission. But always be looking to touch people's lives. And so when you see these kids coming around, you know, running around and, and, and out in the courtyard, I hope you're taking a moment to just stop and say, you look so nice today. God loves you and so do I. Whatever it might be, affirm those who come around us, Right? Leader in your church invites transferable character. So God, our Heavenly Father, wants us to grow up spiritually. And part of growing up spiritual, spiritually, in fact, if you desire to be a leader, is maturity. It's a necessary quality. So here in this, in this instruction that Paul gives to Timothy, he lays out these, these qualifications that church leaders must display. Now in your program, I kind of want to give you a, what's called five leaders of lead, uh, levels of leadership. Some may of you have, have seen it, but so you see that chart there in, in your program? Now this is a, a, a chart that was, is, was created years and years and years ago by a pastor by the name of John Maxwell down in San Diego. John then left... Uh, church of sky it's called skyline wesleyan church he then left a skyline wesleyan church to create this international ministry and now john speaks to all these business leaders and he's written books maybe some of you have read some of his books or heard him speak but this is his five levels of leadership and on the bottom step at the very next to the number one i want you to write the word position position on this positional level the lowest level of leadership is what we call positional leadership. Now let me explain some of these levels. So on this position level of leadership, people will follow you because they have to. People will follow you because you're their boss. Positional leadership is when you have the title. People have to follow you whether they want to follow you, your leadership or not. They don't have a church. But I submit to you today that positional leadership is the lowest level of leadership. Now hear me on this. Title does not necessarily mean that you have influence. And influence always trumps title. One of the keys to any, any smart pastor when he comes into a church, is to ask the question, who has the most influence? And it might be this, no offense, ladies, but this 80-year-old lady who sits in the front row who's been around the church forever, and she may have way more influence than any positional. Are you with me? So position leadership is the lowest level. So Paul, in his instruction to Timothy, he's telling Timothy that to aspire to be a leader in the church is a good thing. But just because you have a title doesn't necessarily mean that you're a leader that people want to follow. Because there's always more to leadership than a title. So let's go to the next level, level two in your program notes. I'd like you to write the word permission. Permission. 
Now, on this level of leadership, people, people follow you because they want to follow you. As a leader, they believe in you. As a leader, they trust you. They don't have to follow you. They want to follow your leadership. In fact, many people on this level of leadership will follow you beyond your stated authority. And so you may have your positional title down here, but if you have influence in their life, they'll follow you way beyond the scope of your job description, permission. Okay, level number three. We're moving up the chart. Next to what number three, I want you to write the word production. Production. Now, on this level of leadership, people will follow you because of what you have done for the organization. They will follow you because of your accomplishments. They generally like you. They generally like what you're doing. And oftentimes, you can know when you're at this level of leadership because problems within an organization will often be solved very easily because you have this sense of momentum that is beginning to grow. Position. Permission, production. And then level four leadership, write the word people development. People development. On this level of leadership, people follow because of what you have done for them. Now think about the people in your life who you respect. Think about the people in your life who you would run through a burning building for. I submit it's probably because they've invested in you. They've taken a risk in your dream. Maybe they've, they've helped you sponsor you on something that you've wanted to do, to do. That's because they are at this level of people, people development. They will follow because of what you have done for them. In fact, in an organization, this is often where long-range growth occurs. You know, I was thinking about, I, I look at Coach Bargus here, Mike Bargus, and, you know, he'll, have, he'll coach these, these players, you know, through football, through four seasons, and then inevitably these kids will come back and they'll visit Mike and they'll talk about what they're doing in college or they'll talk about what career they're doing, right? Why? Because Mike's invested in them. Are you following me? He's not their coach anymore. He's not in a position of telling them what they should or shouldn't do. But it's because, Mike, you've invested in them. That's a good example of people development. And every one of us have that opportunity. In an organization, leaders on this level are committed to those around them, thereby ensuring ongoing growth to both the organization and its people. You know, one of the callings of the church is to develop people. Why is that? Because God wants us to what? Grow up. And so that's our responsibility. And Paul Marvis Church, again, I, I say this a lot, but I, I really mean it. You know, we have always been, historically, we have been a church that's invested in people. We're a church that invests, we give people an opportunity. You know, I love how historically we have been a church that's really invested in our college students, whether it's at Biola or Vanguard or wherever the case may be. Why? Because we're, that's our calling. Our calling is to be a church that invests in people. And then finally, the top rung in your, in your chart there, in, in your program notes, level five, I'd like you to write the word pinnacle. Pinnacle. On this level of leadership, level five, people follow you because of who you are. And what you represent. People follow because they respect your values. And, and really this step in leadership is often reserved for leaders who have spent years growing their people and their organizations. 
Now, here's here's a key component, so don't miss this. To be on this level, level five of leadership is often both a a result of humility and discipline. Humility and discipline, which is why many leaders will often say that Jesus was a level five leader. Because who did Jesus say the greatest leader is? What's one attribute of a great leader? They serve. They wash people's feet. They live the high road, but they, they, they take a towel around their waist and they, they look for ways to raise people up. Jesus, our greatest leader. He preached the greatest leader is a servant leader, one who puts others' needs ahead of one's own, one who models for others how to live. And so Paul writes to Timothy, brothers and sisters, that to be a leader in God's church, it is a wonderful invitation. It is something that you and I should be, really strive for. But he also wants Timothy to realize, especially in regards to pastoral leadership, in regards to those who function in the role of an elder or an overseer, that there are 11 qualities that God looks for. Why? Because God has high expectations for his leaders. So the first quality that you should look for in your pastor, in your overseers, in your elders, who that you should strive for, quality number one, which is found here in verse two, is that he is to be a husband of one wife. Or in the Greek translation, it means you are to be faithful to your spouse, or even better, it's, the translation is you should be sexually above reproach. Sexually above reproach. That means whether you're married or single, you don't have to be married to be a leader in the church. You can be single too. But the Greek language here says it applies to both married and single that you must be sexually above reproach. That's what God expects from his his leaders. This past week, Beto was telling me about a a pastor who he listens to uh, on a podcast. If I were to mention this guy's name, you would likely know him. Fairly well-known, I would even venture to say famous pastor. And I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, but Beto does. And he was sharing how this pastor went on, on, on this podcast and said that he is, is stepping down from his leadership position on this podcast because he has been involved in an emotional relationship with another woman not, who was not his wife. Now, there's nothing physical has, has taken place in, in this relationship. He has not necessarily crossed the line in terms of physical contact, but as a spiritual leader, and rightfully so, he has fallen short of being sexually above reproach, and he is now placing himself under accountability. They say, come on, Pastor Mike, are you saying that if I look at another woman and I enjoy her beauty that I am in the wrong? And, and I just say, I didn't say that. But Jesus did. If if you look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 and 28, Jesus said, if you look at another woman and you lust after her in your heart, then you are committing. You're committing adultery. It's as if you're doing the act. Paul writes, be faithful to your spouse. Be sexually above reproach. Those who aspire to church leadership is a great thing, but they must live with God's help a life of sexual purity. 
To be sexually above reproach does not just mean being physically above reproach, but also emotionally and mentally. And friends, that's a high standard, yes? But the question to ask yourself and the question that I need to ask myself is, am I living above reproach? Now, many times people will say, well, what if I've been divorced? If I'm supposed to be married to one wife, or I'm, what if I you know, have divorce in my life? Does this disqualify me from spiritual leadership in, in the church? And my answer is no, I don't think so. Because that's where Jesus' love and grace and, and forgiveness and restoration comes in. But let there, no be, let there be no misunderstanding that God's expectations for his leaders are high. High, high, high. But friends, with God's help, you can do it. With God's help, I can do it. It's something that we're supposed to strive for. So we're going to pray several prayers together, real quick, short prayers. So let's pray our first one. So in this talk here, so just invite you to just close your eyes for a second. Maybe open the palm of your hand. And I'm going to, I'm going to say the words, but in your, you can kind of maybe mimic them or say them in your own heart. But pray this prayer in your heart. Just say, Jesus, please help me to be sexually pure. Jesus, please help me to be sexually above reproach in all my relationships. For I want my life to honor you. Good. Quality number two. A second quality that we see here that Paul tells Timothy to expect in his leaders is that they are to be mentally and emotionally stable. Mentally and emotionally stable. They are to display a mental, what I call, sobriety. Friends, being a spiritual leader in God's church requires a person to have the capacity to practice self-control and discipline, especially in those situations where emotions run high. You know, over the course of my life and my ministry and as a pastor, I've been called to step into some very sticky situations. I've been asked to step into conversations when, when there's been adultery, when one spouse has been unfaithful to another spouse. I've been invited to step into situations when, when uh, there's been in, inappropriate touching, maybe by a grandparent with a, a grandchild. Not too long ago, I had one of those conversations. I stepped in. And I trust me, when you step into those family dynamics, our emotions high or low? <laughs> They're high, super high, and rightfully so, generally off the charts. But Paul tells Timothy that the leaders in the church are to be spiritually mature for when they're called upon to navigate sticky relational situations that their maturity and their relationship with Jesus provides them with this ability to render an objective perspective and balanced judgment. So ask yourself the question, do I have the inclination to lose my cool? This past Friday I was playing basketball. And I got amped up, boy. So amped up. I, I generally, I'm slow and I'm sluggish, but I still am competitive. And one of the guys was playing so hard, and it just, and I'm thinking, great, now I got to preach about being emotionally stable. I didn't, I didn't scream, I didn't yell, I didn't, but boy, I could just feel it inside. It was still there. Anybody relate to that? So let's pray another prayer. 
Bow your head, close your eyes, open your palms and say this. Jesus, please grow my mental and emotional capacity. Jesus, please help me to dispense godly wisdom with fairness and gentleness. Oh God, I need to be more gentle. Amen. A third and fourth quality, three and four, that Paul tells Timothy to expect in his leaders is that they are well-behaved and that they have a good reputation. They are well-behaved and that they have a good reputation. You know, brothers and sisters, if I were to ask... If I were to ask the people outside these church building walls, the people who are in your social and maybe work circles to describe you to me, would they describe you as someone who is well-behaved? Or would they have maybe some mean or less than complimentary things to say about you? Do you have a good reputation with those outside the community? And I think the thing I love about th- th- this is that a lot of times pastors, when, they, when they, they come into the church, they spend all their time in the office. And I feel like God's saying to, to the pastors, say, no, get outside of your office. Get outside the walls of, of this church building. Get out into the community because there's a, the truth be told, if, a, if you ask a lot of people about the pastors, uh, this and such and such and church, they'd go, I, I don't know, I've never met him. I've never met her. But you're in the community, aren't you? What do people have to say about you? What do people have to say about me? One of, listen, one of the criticisms of, of, of the church that people often say is the church is filled with hypocrites, right? The church is filled with hypocrites. They preach one thing, but they, but they live completely different. Have you ever been called a hypocrite? I have. You call yourself a pastor and yet you stay silent on. You call yourself a Christian and yet you support. You call yourself a Christian and yet you go to Palm Harvest Church. (laughs) Have any of you heard that one? Friends, God has high expectations for his leaders. And guess what? So too does the world. So when our leadership actions are hypocritical, when our words and our activities don't match up, it will produce a negative impact on people. God wants his church leaders. God wants you and he wants me to grow up. So let's pray another prayer. You ready? Bow your head. Open your, close your eyes. Palms upward. Say, Jesus, please forgive me when my lifestyle is inconsistent with my faith. And please continue to grow me and transform me so that my reputation in this community honors you. Good. You ready to keep going? We're almost halfway through. So God, our Heavenly Father, wants you and me to grow up. God, our Heavenly Father, has high expectations for his leaders. And so here's four. I'm going to give you the next three qualities that church leaders are to be exhibit. Okay, number five. 
They are to be hospitable. Hospitable. Number six, they are to know the Bible. Know the Bible. And number seven, they are to be not overindulgent. Hospitable, they know the Bible and not overindulgent. So let's talk about hospitality. God's church leaders, especially the pastors and overseers and deacons, which we're going to talk about next Sunday, the Bible says that they must practice hospitality. They must enjoy or at least making their homes really available for people to meet in for fellowship. That's what God wants. Are you hospitable? Number six. Bible says that we're supposed to know the Bible. Pastors and overseers must be spiritually mature so that they can teach the Bible and determine when heresy is being taught. In the early church, there were a lot of people coming in and they were trying to say, this is what God wants. And, and it was really confusing because you had all these Jewish people who were they, were, they were living according to this Jewish faith, and then Jesus came in and tried to, started to talk more about grace than he did law, and so then you have these Gentiles who for the first time had access to really to, to, to God, and so these Jewish people or Christians are trying to tell these Gentile new believers how to live, and it was just really con confusing, and then you have these people coming in and trying to gain a following, and, and even to this day, we have a lot of church splits. People will say, well, I don't agree with you, and so I'm leaving, and when I leave, I'm going to take half the church with me, and it was all this stuff, and, and Paul just says, listen, you need to teach your, one of the things that you need to look for your leaders is that they know what the Bible teaches. That's why we always say around here, what does the Bible say? And friends, don't just take my word for it when I get up here and say things. What does the Bible say? The Bible, Jesus said, or Paul tells Timothy, spiritual leaders need to know the Bible. And then number seven, pastors and overseers, we're told, must not be overindulgent. Paul writes, a church leader must not be a heavy drinker. But rather, they must illustrate a capacity for self-discipline. Now listen, God, friends, God is not anti-alcohol. John chapter 2, what was Jesus' first miracle? Turn water into wine. But he is anti-drunkenness. Have, have you ever seen anybody drunk or maybe you've ever had been drunk yourself? Listen, overindulgence generally doesn't lead to good judgment. Would you agree with me? Or proper behavior. And all this does is it just emphasizes, it's, again, it's not that God's anti-alcohol. He's just saying do it in proportion. Have some discipline with, 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 with it. Emphasizing the truth that God has high expectations for his, for his leaders. Okay, so let's pray another prayer. Pray with this in heart. Say, Jesus, please forgive me when my lifestyle is inconsistent with my faith. Please continue to grow my spiritual capacity to be hospitable with my home, to know the Bible, and to be sober and not overindulgent. Jesus, please help me to grow up. Good. All right, let me give you the last four qualities and we'll bring this baby home. 
The last four qualities that Paul tells Timothy to look for in his church leaders, number eight, is that we are to be gentle, patient, and peace-loving. Gentle, patient, and peace-loving. Number nine, church leader is to be generous. Generous. Number 10, manages family well. Manage your family well. And number 11, not a new Christian. Not a new Christian. So gentle, patient, and peace-loving. Pretty straightforward. Basically, a, a, someone who really aspires to be kind of the, the, maybe the, the pastor or the, the, the leading elders, the Bible teachers of, of, your, or of your flock are, are to have no temper. They're be able, really, they're able to keep their emotions in check. You know, and I confess, I'm still working on it. And maybe some of you do too. Maybe some of you, when you get on the freeway and someone pulls in front of you, wow, something just snaps. It means you've got room for growth. My actions must illustrate a willingness to yield. There's another big one for me. Submitting to authority. Oh, that's hard for me. I don't know why that is. I don't like what, when people try to tell me what to do. Mmm, it just gets me so bad. Anybody relate to that? Am I alone on that? Patiently make allowances for others. To be gentle means I patiently make allowances for other people's ignorance and weakness. Why? Because Psalm 86 verse 5 says that that's a characteristic of God. You know, for those of you who struggle with road rage, let me give you a, let me give you a tip. And this, this, is, this really helped me years and years and years ago, especially if you're a parent. Whenever I would see somebody drive in a manner that made me upset, I would always, and I still do, I just assume that it's a young 16-year-old son or daughter, in my case, a girl, because I had two daughters, a young 16-year-old girl just learning to drive for the first time. And our freeways are crazy. I just give her, because I have two daughters, right? And that just helps me, oh, they're just learning to drive. And then what, inevitably, what do we do? Speed up and we want to see who it is. <laughs> Don't speed up. Peace, gentle, patient. Church, there will be a day when I'm no longer your lead teaching pastor. And when that day arrives and you're looking for somebody to replace me, look for these qualities in your leader. And one of those qualities to be gentle and peace-loving. Impatient. Another quality that Paul tells Timothy to look for in the leader is to be generous. So what does generosity look like? Well, it really means if, if you're generous, you don't love money. God's not anti-money. God's not anti-nice things. We talk about that here. Just don't hold on to your things too tightly. Because we were born naked, we came into this world without nothing, and we're going to leave naked. You know, it's a, it's a famous saying, you never see a, a, a hearse pull a U-Haul trailer. Why? Because you can't take it with you. Someone who is generous, catch this now. 
Someone who is generous illustrates a willingness to let go of control and to forgive. Jesus has forgiven you. My question is, who do you need to forgive? Anybody come to mind? Do you want to be a church leader? And throw away the ledger sheet. Hold a loose grip. Let things go. That's generosity. Another thing that Paul tells Timothy to look for in his leaders is that they manage their family well. And basically what I, I, the way I interpret that is that, that a church, really their children, if, you, if, you're a, if you're a parent and a, a mom or a dad, that basically your children respect and obey you. You know, we don't demand people's followership. As I mentioned already, positional leadership is the lowest level of leadership. Therefore, as a dad, and let me personalize this, as a dad, I need to wash feet. In my household, I need to set the example. Robin's on me all the time when I don't put my glass in the dishwasher and I leave it in the sink. Happens from time to time. Come on, dads, model it. Clean up after yourself. Make your bed in the morning. Set the example. Model for your children gentleness and patience and respect. By the way, who don't make who doesn't make their bed in the morning? Worry, Denman. Start making your bed. <laughs> she doesn't like being told what to do either, and I just called her out. <laughs> By the way, Laura, you're doing a phenomenal job on the computer today. Really, you are. Nice job. It's a tough job being back there. Because what happens when a slide doesn't go right? Everybody turns around. We love you, Lori. Uh, you know, a, a, a leader who manages his, his or her family well... They set the example. You know, they're not a spirit-crushing tyrant who gains submission by harsh punishment. Firm, yes, when necessary. Disciplined, yes, yet always generous, always complimentary, liberal with your loving personal attention. And I would even suggest a willingness to ask for forgiveness from your kids and from your spouse when you blow it. Robin was really great with this, and I've shared this before, how with our daughters, we never said, we, we, we didn't ask them to say, I'm sorry, when they would offend their sibling. But rather, we, we try to teach them to say, will you forgive me? Because we can do stuff and say, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. But when you say, will you forgive me? Oh, that just takes it to a whole deeper level. Not a new Christian. Why? Because, because your spiritual leaders in the church, they will catalyze your choices. My lifestyle and my conduct will influ- influence other people's conduct, although I'm not seeing enough motorcycles out in the parking lot. Come on, people, let's go. More motorcycles. My actions will shape people's attitude and opinions. God has high expectations for his leaders. Spiritual maturity is something God wants. But again, remember, it takes time. It takes experience. And how do you get experience? 
by trying something. And so maybe this year, maybe one of the things, maybe right now your heart's just kind of pounding a little bit or God's saying, well, why not you? Maybe God's saying, you know what, uh, maybe you should talk to me, Pastor Mike, and maybe you should reach him out and say, hey, will you bring me along? Will you help me grow maybe to explore what church leadership looks like? Because, friends, with God's help, we can all grow. So let's close with one final prayer as we deal with these four points, okay? So just say, Jesus, please continue to grow my spiritual capacity. Please help me to be gentle and patient and peace-loving. Jesus, please help me to manage my family well, to be someone who is liberal with my affirmation. Please help me to be generous and forgiving. I want you to think for a moment. Is there anybody in your life right now who just rubs you the wrong way or who has offended you or has hurt you? Would you just ask God right now to just bring forgiveness in your heart for this person? Just ask God to pour out his favor upon them today. God, help me to be generous. Say, Jesus, I want to grow as a Christian. And so today, as I sit here in this auditorium, I invite you to grow my leadership competence so that I might pass along to others the opportunity and encouragement to grow as well. Jesus, please help me to grow this year. Because, God, I want to I want to grow up. So, Father, you've heard our prayer today, prayers. And it's our desire, Father, to grow up. And so we thank you in advance for the way you're going to help us develop this coming week. And, Lord, I just thank you in advance for the way you're going to continue to raise up new leaders here within this church family. That from this midst, we're going to send out pastors and teachers and missionaries and school teachers and missionaries at every level. God, help us to be a church that lifts people up and pushes them out to be your representatives. In Jesus' name we pray. Would you say amen?